0: Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel Little Conversation, where experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom, and think. I'm Dana Mackey, Research Director at Mintel. Typically on our podcast episodes, we have a panel of guests from across our global teams, but today we're going to bring you a local perspective on what has become truly a global phenomenon. Today we're talking about the demonstrations happening in response to the killing of George Floyd on May 25th. With that, all of our guests today are calling in from Chicago, which is Mintel's US headquarters. Let's do a quick round of introductions to kick things off.
1: Hello, my name is Toya Mitchell. I'm a senior multicultural analyst. I write reports on black consumers um, across category, including lifestyle reports, such as marketing to millennials and marketing to black moms. My background is in media planning and communications planning, um, also had a marketing research spent at a research partner. And um, I'll turn it over to Alex.
2: Thanks, Toya. I'm Alex Milanazo I'm a trends analyst for North America, focusing on the U.S. and Canada. And so I analyze consumer behavior through the lens of Mintel's global consumer trends and our trend drivers. I have a background in marketing communications and organizational behavior.
3: Hi, I'm Lisa Dubina. I'm a senior analyst with a focus on consumer culture and identity. I write reports looking at how consumers define themselves and Great like-minded community and I have a background in custom market research. And I'm Jeanette Ornelis I'm a senior digital marketing
0: analyst on the Compo Media Omni team. Um, and I have a background in social media marketing. Thanks to everybody for joining us today. I'm so excited to learn from the experts we have on this call. I do want to jump right into the topic. The Black Lives Matter movement has been around for years since the summer of 2013 but we've seen a huge increase in momentum and passion around this cause. And my first question for everybody is, I was going to say why now, but really, why is it taking so long? I think it's really the question because it's been around for a while. So what is causing all of this momentum right now? and Why is it taking this long? Yeah, I mean, I think it's
4: important to kind of, really think about what we've been experiencing over the last several months, you know, you know, with the with COVID-19 in March and, and since then, um, you know, people being out of work, stuck at home, um, you know, economic uncertainty, really just uncertainty in general in terms of the state of our lives and the direction our lives are going in and the, that our country is going in. Um, and on top of that, the social media climate these days, um, I mean, like you said, these, this movement is not new. It's been around for at least seven years. Um, and, you know, there's been other social movements too in the in that time, um, but I think you know the combination of people really being stuck in their homes, more forced to be more introspective, forced to really evaluate what matters to them. On um, and, and and on top of that, you know all the events that had led up to the Black Lives Matter movement really coming to the forefront. Um, I, I think it's a mix of the days, were, the time we're living in, but then also on top of that, the role of the media and social media um, and all of that coming together in this sort of storm scenario where it just kind of hit the breaking point and and um, the momentum was there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's just various ways we can look at it.
1: And you know, I want to piggyback on that. You know, as, as we you know, talked immediately prior to this, we're all connected to, to news and what's happening in the world. Um, I was maybe about a week ago I was watching PBS News Faber and Kayari Jones, she is an author. She wrote a book called An American Marriage and she said COVID-19 sprayed luminol on American society. Um, super quick. Um, luminol, of course, um, detects uh, trace blood samples that is naked to the human eye and so her point is that um, you can now see the seemingly invisible cracks in our american society and it's like oh my god it's a massacre and what um people um, like people who are connected to black lives matter people who live the experience can also could see but may be naked to uh, the people that That don't necessarily have to live the experience.
0: People are nodding so furiously. I'm like, I'm seeing a row of people just nodding along. But I think you're right. I think something that's, to me, been really eye-opening is that it's not just people Mm -hmm. getting involved. It's brands getting involved. It's companies getting involved. It it actually, it it kind of reminds me of what we Mm -hmm. saw with Me Too. People getting fired, people resigning, people taking action. And I think that's really broadening the scope of the impact here.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, with movements like Me Too, with movements like Black Lives Matter, I think it's also important to remember that activism itself is very active. And when we think, see things take hold in the public eye it's not by luck you know it's not by accident mm-hmm. um these organizers have been working tirelessly since um 2013 just since it was branded as black lives matter but even prior to then and so in a lot of ways yes the circumstances of the world factor into it but we are also seeing um the fruition of those activist labors that have been very intentional about how to organize a population.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think in the past, there's been some hesitance for brands specifically to get involved in any social movements because they're so afraid of alienating people doing the wrong thing, especially in cancel culture. I think there's a real fear of, what if we do, we say something, but we say the wrong thing. So there's been a lot of silence on, from brands, from companies, from leaders. And I think that's changing really rapidly. Are we seeing that consumers want brands to take action on something like this? And if so, how should they go about doing that? What I'm seeing specifically from brands
1: are a a couple of different things. There are brands that have decided to to put a a stake in the ground and and to choose a side. And and to your point, I think that it's safe to ensure that all customers, regardless of their beliefs, their values, their viewpoints, um, feel connected to brands. And I think the difference is this forced disruption in our society, when a brand makes a, a clear choice um, and takes a stand in society, whether it is um, considered conservative or progressive, they see that their base um, responds to it. And I think that's, that is what we're seeing for, for some of these um, brand responses um, to what's been happening in the last month, or so.
3: I think too, um, just how divisive the country is right now plays a big role in it, Um, even compared to 2013, 2016, uh, our country now is just so one side or the other. And when you don't speak up, people are going to assume that you're taking a side by not speaking up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think today um, there's been a move towards normalizing a lot of um, racist and uh, destructive verbiage that I think it's gotten to a point where brands have to speak up. Otherwise, it looks like they're condoning this. Well, I think it's also like, I mean, this is always going to be the case. And I think to your
4: point, like even as people, we have to expect to your point, if we stay silent, someone's going to assume what that silence means, whether it is true or not. Um, But at the same time, if you speak up, you also have to assume you're going to be criticized for how you speak up, what you say, how you say it. So it's kind of the, the situation of whether you're a person or a brand, um, you can't say something expecting like praise and applause. And that's so great that you said that and that you're, you know, feel that way, um, especially from like companies. I mean, a lot of people right now are being criticized for say performative activism, right? It's a trendy thing to be saying Black Lives Matter and supporting the movement um, because it's obviously, you know, hit it's momentum right now with so much attention on the movement. It's easy to say, yes, Black Lives Matter, I support that, I believe that. What you actually do in your life um, to really live by that is going to be very separate. and At the same time, you don't, people don't necessarily see that, right? They're not necessarily gonna see what you do and how you're doing it. Um, from a brand perspective, I think we went from COVID-19 marketing where it was all, you know, in these unprecedented times, it all blurred together. It was very difficult to really pick out which brand was saying what, because it all sounded the same. And then now these brands essentially have evolved into, we're not racist, we, we believe Black Lives Matter and they're all putting out these very generic statements when you really think about it, they don't stand out by brand. I mean, there's few brands I think that we can each speak to in terms of really showing like their values and how their values as a company really show what they stand for. And, and, and with Black Lives Matter specifically, they're able to tap into those values. You know, we have brands like Nike, who are one of the first ones that are usually, they're known over the last 30 plus years to be at the front of these social movements to put out, you know, campaigns or narratives that really align with that. We know that they supported Colin Kaepernick when a lot of brands were not. Um, And so it seems a bit more authentic for them to stand up and and be part of it. Similarly with brands like Ben & Jerry's, who put out a statement about Black Lives Matter years ago. Um, You know, they're not seeming like, oh, well, now we have to, so now we'll say something. I think when you say something because you feel the conviction to versus I have to, people can tell um, when you're reacting because you are forced to as opposed to, you know, this is something you really do feel that strongly about and you want people to know how you feel.
0: And I'm so glad you said this because Lisa and I got this exact question from a client last week. They said, if we've been silent for so long, how do we enter the space now? Because we're going to seem inauthentic and we don't know the first steps to take. So any guidance to brands that want to say something and they want to speak out, but now they're unsure of, well, we've got 100 years of history behind us, where we didn't do anything. And now even a baby step seems like a giant leap. Um, it's not even just um, that they haven't spoken up before,
3: it's that they have had missteps before. Um, mm-hmm. L'Oreal, they uh, were very quick to uh, post, I believe the, they did a play on their slogan, speaking up is worth it, and were very quickly called out because they have a past history of um, firing a, a, an ex-model who you know, was speaking up about Black Lives Matter and about racial injustice. And that was only a couple years ago. I think that was 2017 and they fired her. Um, And so that model called them out and said, no, you're, you know, being very two-faced right now. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a big risk for some brands and they really have to um, uh, be cognizant of when they've made missteps. And I think how L'Oreal handled it was actually great. They ended up partnering with the model and um, inviting her to be on their new Diversity um, advisory board, but I think the true testament will be how this continues into the future and what steps and actionability that they actually carry carry through with.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think brands underestimate consumers' ability, people's ability to forgive missteps. Um, It's one thing. I think you just have to. They have to be self-aware. Like, obviously, most brands companies have a history. Um, you know, you look at the NFL, for example, they recently, you know, they put out a, a statement basically apologizing and saying we should have listened to our players sooner. But at no point was Colin Kaepernick mentioned. I think it's one of those things where if you're going to be afraid to be called out, yeah, you'll probably stay silent just to not face criticism. But you're going to be criticized either way. So just do what's right, essentially, for you as, as what you believe, what your company is, and stand by it and show that you stand by it. Um, if you're trying to please everyone, no matter what you're trying to do, you're you're gonna lose every time. Um, and brands really need to just stop trying to please everyone is what I think.
1: Um, not only should should they stop trying to please everyone, but I think they should be clear and to who their audience is. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I wanted that I'd like to point out, I, I think we're all kinda agree that Ben and Jerry's Nike and P and G recent P and G messaging has has self-authentic because they consistently said so in the past when it when it was not um a a current topic of conversation one thing i wanted to point out um especially those three companies and what they put out like in the last just week is is who they're speaking to and it, it is predominantly um or presumably a white white executive speaking to other white people as to how to be Mm -hmm. anti-racist. And I think that is a really, really important part of the conversation. That it's not just we support, we're thinking of you, we care. That, in my opinion, is a meaning. It is, this is a problem that we recognize and this is how we think we can solve it. And I think that is another reason why, um, which in my personal opinion, I think that very few other companies are doing that. And I think saying that this is our, white executives to a white audience, our problem that we have to solve makes it sound even more authentic Mm -hmm. and even just as disruptive as people who are um, in the streets saying that we demand change.
2: Absolutely, to touch on things that toya and lisa you both um touched on is for me from my perception when brands are approaching whether they are going to take action and specifically in this instance um their expression um of racial justice and black lives matter and anti-racism it's really quite simple are you going to internalize that messaging or not and I think what brands are not really saying when they say we're afraid to say this, we're afraid to do this, what what I am perceiving of that is, um, as an analyst, as a consumer, is what you are saying is you're afraid to say something that you know you won't back up. And brands are afraid to say something that they won't back up because they know they'll get caught. And so the simple solution is back it up. (laughs) You know, if you're going to say something, say what you mean and mean what you say and do it. And we are seeing now um, like Starbucks has banned their employees from wearing anything related to black lives matter. Well, I mean, we can recall in what was that 2018 when they closed their stores um, to do uh, like diversity and racial bias training. So clearly they did not internalize those changes. They did not internalize that messaging and That is really what consumers are really only asking them to do, is saying, stand by and do by what you say, as opposed to trying to capitalize on my beliefs, because over the past, probably, you know, decades now, brands have been really, really leaning into, what is our personality? We're just like a person. You can form a relationship with us like a person. And so consumers are saying, okay, then I'm going to hold you accountable like a person then you need to have personal responsibility and own up to your mistakes. And that can be a lot for brands to have to confront. Um, But, you know, as the campaign on Instagram is saying, pull up or shut up. You know, like, show us those diversity statistics. Open your purse. Make um, a donation that is comparable Mm. to your brand's revenue Um, and prove to us that you're actually with us.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things where, what's the thing, like, show your receipts. Like, people are going to look for those receipts. They're going to look for the real changes you've made and consistently have been making. Just today, I saw that The Bachelor announced that the next Bachelor is going to be a Black man, which will be only the second Black lead in 40 seasons and 18 years of The Bachelor franchise, Um, which, you know, great. You obviously know what's happening, you made a decision, but it took a whole movement and a petition, specifically to the Bachelor franchise, of people demanding more diversity in the franchise. Um, so, how authentic does that really seem? That did they didn't issue any sort of statement or apology addressing the fact that just just say we are aware we've had a we haven't had diverse leads, we haven't addressed diversity in our franchise. Um, you know, own it, own your mistakes, and then say we're going to fix it as opposed to just, it's trendy right now. So yes, here, we are announcing today, we have a black lead. Um, I I think that's an example of people are going to be like, great, could be better, but do you want, do you want an award for, you know, making a a decision that is at the end of the day, something people have been demanding before this? Um, why now back to that question of why now? A lot of brands I think are going to be asked that. Why now we've been demanding this. People have been demanding this for years. Um, So you really have to be very intentional about why you're doing it now and why it's taken so long.
1: And and honest. And I, I think that consumers are savvy enough to understand when... Um, a brand a franchise remember is is honest and um, and I, and I think um, to you you know to your point if you are just saying a statement because it's trendy versus we've made missteps in the past these are the missteps that we've made in the past and this is how we're going to correct it mm-hmm. and, and within within a specific time frame this is how we're going to show we have made those those prescriptive uh, changes I think is what um, will um, will give the mileage with, with consumers.
4: I think, and obviously we've in the we been talking right now about what brands are saying specifically as a brand and, and their own direct statements. Um, I think another part of this in terms of, you know, what it means to be an ally and to believe in the platform and to it, it, you have to help amplify it too. And I think because so many of these brands and companies at the end of the day, you know, don't have the, a lot of them don't have the most diverse, you know, employees or especially leadership or boards, um, I think that's where you also turn over the mic. You have to give those people who do have the authority and who do have the you know, perspective. So like, you know, we've been seeing over the last um, week, the share the mic now movement on social media. So a lot of celebrities turning over their pages on Instagram, their their feed, their story to activists, leaders in the black community to let them reach their audience. I think at the end of the day, that's, you know, as a marketer, that's always what you're trying to do, right? Reach an audience. Um, and so that's a good example of, I don't know that I am the person to speak on this, but I know I have a platform and I'm going to hand that platform over to someone that I think benefit from my audience um, so I think that's also part of it too it's not just constantly saying what you think it's also listening to other people, and if you can, and if you have the platform, um, you know, sharing that platform and amplifying their voices um, as opposed to your own.
3: I think um, Netflix did a really great job of doing that and getting creative with it. They created a whole collection of Black Lives Matter. um, It includes TV shows, film, documentaries, um, and it, I think in the U.S., it pops up right away um, upon login, so you kind of um, are immediately alerted to it, and I think that's such a great way to Uh, help consumers get more educated since that is um, such a big realization I think that's come out of all of this is that consumers want to educate themselves more and so I think Netflix was creative about um, providing um, sources resources to
0: enable consumers to do that As we're wrapping up this conversation, I wanted to, because we have so many panelists in our conversation today, I wanted to give everyone a little bit of extra airtime to leave us with their final thoughts, a brand example, something that's top of mind for them um, before we say goodbye. So, Toya, do you want to start us off with um, final thoughts? Sure. Um, We've, of course, talked about brands that we think are doing it right
1: um, and some of the clear and concrete goals that those brands have set forth. I think what what looks um, what do consumers want in the future um, is accountability. I, similar similar what we talked about previously about Me Too, uh, people who have been brave enough um, facing retaliation or to, um, in speaking out is what is what I've personally seen um, when we talked about the um, the L'Oreal Monroe uh, model. I think that brands should be, should ensure that they have something set in place so that they are still held held accountable. And I think people feel um, that they now have the space to say what needs to be said to be honest, even if they fear, um, even if they fear or experience retaliation in, in form of of losing opportunities, losing a job, or, or et cetera, that it's bigger than um, that they're gonna have to be uncomfortable. we are all gonna have to be uncomfortable, whether it's losing a job or losing an opportunity, or simply listening to something that, 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 makes, that, uh, that makes you feel guilty. I think that um, putting that aside and ensuring accountability is um, what looks like help in the future.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I really want to emphasize, Toya, what you're talking about with clear and concise goals. One of the largest incongruences I think we see in social action between consumers and brands are consumers ask for very specific things and brands respond with completely different things. And so if a if consumers tell you they want you to say Black Lives Matter and you say we value diversity and inclusion, that's not the same thing. That's not what they asked you to say. And that's not what they asked you to do. And I think that's something that brands really need to internalize is their actions should reflect the consumer's demands. And as Toy said, they should be tangible. They should be clear. And they should be um measurable because that ladders up to accountability I believe it is Buffy which is a DTC um, like duvet, sheets, bedding sort of that um, sustainable sort of brand um, they are starting to add their diversity, their internal um, diversity um, statistics essentially to their annual reviews so that it's public knowledge of whether they're making progress or not um, and you know this is stands in contrast with Nike that has exceptional messaging and whose percentage of black employees has decreased over the past few years, despite that they continue to lean on black talent. And so it really comes down to transparency, accountability, and listening to what your consumers want from you and acting on that. Because as Toy said, this is the long game, you know, like, Ben and Jerry's has been doing it for 20 years and they're still doing it. And that's why they continue to be successful at it. And I think brands need to recognize, as Toya said, that you'll be uncomfortable. There might be some short-term losses, but this is the long game.
3: Um, yeah, I'll piggyback off of that. Uh, basically just saying, uh, yes, in today's div- divisive culture, it's so uh, critical for brands to speak up and talk to their consumers um, whether it's uncomfortable, whether it's um, something they've never done before, and it's crucial that when they do speak up, it's as everyone has been saying, it's authentic, it's actionable, um, measurable, and taking the onus to own up to miss that and um, fault in the past. Um, obviously, that's not easy, and cancel culture is such a um, a fear and a threat to brands um, and influencers. But um, I think that it's part of that authenticity is admitting when you were wrong, but then showing how you're fixing it and the actionable steps you're taking to um, correct that into the future.
4: Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll kind of, yeah, wrap up, picking back off everything that everyone has really said. I mean, I think in a world where public image really can be meticulously crafted um, it, it, actions always just speak louder than words. I mean, words can be powerful. Actions are impactful. Um, and as we, you know, enter what, you know, we're calling this next normal. I mean, in a recent blog post, one of our um, analysts talked about, you know, what she means when she talks about the next normal. And something that really stood out to me is that she talked about how new is static and next is always looking forward. And I think that's what, as people and as brands, we you really be doing, is constantly looking forward. You can't really afford to remain in a reactive state all the time because that means you're constantly on the defensive, right? Um, so, so think about in that long game, you know, what's your offense? How do you continuously prove and show that you're committed to this? Um, because, you know, we are really being challenged in a lot of ways and in brands and marketers will continue to be challenged to really think about Um, How they think about corporate social responsibility and brand ethics. Um, And I think that means reassessing what allyship looks like, what impact looks like, and really what accountability looks like. Um, So at the end of the day, expect criticism, but do it anyway, Um, because it's, you know, what you believe, because it's the right thing to do, because it's what your audience is demanding.
0: Thank you so much for your time today. I, I love I love all the thoughts, I love the intelligence, but I love the passion that you brought to this conversation. We, we kind of took brands to task a little bit today, but I think this is what needs to happen and these are the conversations that brands should be listening to. What I'm hearing from everyone is the relationship that brands have asked for with their consumers is a two-way street. I mean, Alex, you put it wonderfully. They've asked us, hey, we want to know you. We want your personal information. We want to cater to your needs. And now consumers are telling them, okay, here's exactly what we want. And now it's time for them to listen and take action. I think that was a great, just a great way to frame it up because you're right. This isn't necessarily consumer demand. This is something brands have asked for. This isn't something we have asked for. This is something brands have asked for too. So meet us halfway. We'll be there. We'll be there waiting for you. (laughs) Um, Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast content. We'll be here next week with another episode of Little Conversation.